Welcome to the Life Size City Urbanism Podcast. I'm Michael Koval Anderson. In this episode of the Life Size City Podcast, I speak to the Chief Design Officer of Helsinki, Hannah Harris. Especially in the Nordic countries, a number of cities have a city architect, a position with varying influence depending on the city that is geared towards maintaining coherence and functionality between architecture and public space and the city at large. The very title of Chief Design Officer sounds impressive and innovative. In fact, it's a recent invention, gaining momentum in the corporate sphere a decade or so ago. Corporations and banks got on the bandwagon and got themselves a CDO. The very idea that design is an integral and important element in business finally saw the light of day. That design should be integral and important in cities is even more obvious and intuitive, especially after decades where engineering has dominated the conversation. With that said, not many cities have a chief design officer. Helsinki was the first city in the world to create the position back in 2016. I know that Seoul, Korea followed suit, and shortly before the pandemic started, I met the newly appointed Chief Design Officer for Los Angeles, Christopher Hawthorne, to discuss his visions for the city. As someone who works with design daily, I'm like, yeah, duh, when it comes to the question of whether or not cities should have a Chief Design Officer, as long as they are an equal and respected part of the municipal team which is one of the reasons I was looking forward to meeting Hannah Harris. Hannah is the second chief design officer in Helsinki and started in the position in 2020. We met in the amazing public library, Udi, a place where you can borrow books, of course, but also a place where the citizens feel a powerful sense of ownership. In the audio, you'll hear the murmur of the crowds in the background, and our recording is regularly pierced with the high-pitched voices of small children. Not something you usually associate with a library. But Udi is so much more. It's just an indoor public space embraced by the people. I wanted to hear what Hannah's visions are for the city, how she works with the municipality, and what weight Helsinki places on design. Urban design, design thinking, citizen engagement through design, temporary urbanism, how design has helped with the pandemic, you name it. Like basically everything else in Helsinki, in this window of time, I was not disappointed. Hannah is so cool and clear, professional and passionate about explaining her work and the state of the design nation in Helsinki. Everything she was saying about what's going on in the city made me all warm and fuzzy. If I take a long, hard look at it, there are really only two cities to watch on the planet at the moment. Cities that are rushing headlong into the urban future, knocking over last century status quo, deftly leaping over traditional hurdles and barriers, smashing their way into a better place with rationality, citizen engagement, human values. Paris and Helsinki. And Helsinki has the ace in their sleeve. Design. Anna, nice to meet you. Very good to meet you, Michael. Yeah. So I think what I find interesting is that you are the chief design officer for Helsinki. Now, I know what that means, but like, there's not a lot of cities that have a chief design officer. So I, I mean, just explain what your role is and you know, what, what your, your daily job is. 
Right, so I'll, I'll go take even back a little bit from when the role didn't exist yet because it all ties back into there. So Helsinki, obviously as a city, has uh, way back, of course, a strong legacy in design and, and architecture and, and so forth, and that, that legacy is there. But as a city organization, if really you look at how does the city itself as an administrative body rather than the city as the whole, whole place, how does it think about design? What can it possibly do with it? Uh, what, how does it connect to you know taking the city forward and making it a better place in the future? So that uh, journey, I suppose, for Helsinki goes back 10 years or so. So in 2012, Helsinki had the World Design Capital title, which is this um, touring uh, global initiative where uh, a selected city will look at across all sectors how, how it uses design and what it might do with that. And for Helsinki that year, was an important moment in really bringing together the different communities and different administrative sectors in the city and of course partners outside to to look at okay how do we work with our people uh, how might we use design in looking at um, let's say issues that tackle across different administrative bodies uh, bring collaborative efforts together in in them and and use really that power of design to go forward so that was in 2012 and following that uh, sort of started the first work in hiring um, designers in inside the city as well to do various pilot stuff across all, all kinds of things in different sectors in the city. I was uh, based in London myself at those years and was closely following this journey with also partners outside at what, what will this all come, come to and um, down the line so different legacy projects started and this sort of um, focus across the city really to, to look at the people or the, or the user of different um, different things that are outside in the city, but also in the kind of what happens behind the scene. How do we produce what we do? How do we produce services? How do we renew them and so forth? So this sort of in-house design team started growing. And then in 2016 was the pilot edition that, okay, that we might need a role which doesn't sort of lock into the um, existing sort of structure in, in, a, in a way that, okay, we are now doing, let's say, social services or this one is education, but a role that is more a citywide role bridging across also the gaps that exist between the administrative silos. And so that pilot edition took place then. I'm, I'm the second one now. There was a mini, mini gap in between and we were sort of tweaking a bit, at, okay, what do we want from this role in the future? That's very much as well... Uh, a sort of um, bringing people and ideas and places and practices together and then working across the city with different let's say development departments communication departments and so forth to help them take their work forward so i started in 2020 at the same time with the <laughs> pandemic which has been a of course an own own uh, thing in itself to jump yeah, on yeah, board about. Yeah, I have a new job, I'm in my living room. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, you know, the city of Helsinki is the largest employer in the whole country, close to 40,000 people. So basically, of course, my job is to look at that whole organization, how we might use design, but very much also to um, develop a citywide network and these different units across the city who, who use that work. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of one part of it. So there's a sort of in-house team of designers, developers, so I work with them and we identify how we might take things forward. And then, of course, another side which has been there all along is, is very much to do with how Helsinki uh, builds different uh, partnerships, networks with cities elsewhere and that sort of idea of, of what kind of profile Helsinki has a, as a design city. So, of course, we've got lots going on there in terms of the new architecture and design museum, things like that. So th those are kind of the key elements which have been there all along. And now 
The um, perhaps uh, newer or something that we want to work on more in the future, which ties uh, more into directly the sort of issues you are working with, is to do with the urban environment. So. Mm. Now my role is positioned so that it's a citywide role, but I'm technically have one foot in the urban environment divisions. So we're looking at working even more in the coming years to bring in sort of what is done in the urban environment to the design thinking that has been taking place elsewhere. So I'm I'm working on that that connection mm -hmm. a lot. All right, so backwards. Um, yeah. You know, Helsinki became the world design capital, yeah. and you're like, of course, it's Helsinki. We're Nordic capital, of course. Oh yeah, bring it, bring it here. Yeah. We got some design to show you. But you're, it's kind of sound like what you mm. said was that it started a conversation within the municipal structure, like design. Yeah. Like yeah, of course, we all know we're a design country. But wait, now we have to think about it in our in the context of our work. Did that create like a whole different culture and a conversation absolutely. that was that was that was worth something. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, we sat now in uh, Audi, the new central library for Helsinki, which of course, you know, around the world, people have seen lots of images of, of the building itself, which of course is there's the element of architecture of what it is. But but this is a very good example. This building, all the thinking that went into there, that how the different layers of first of all, of course, the different people who come to the library and use different aspects of it at what what exactly do they want? What might we be doing with them? How do we work with them to co-create that concept of what then became this, this building? Mm -hmm. So that element has been a very good process in this building. But the other aspect, of course, has been the people who work here, a, a, a fantastic team and how they have very much used different design methods to, to find that method of how they are running this building, how do they rotate staff, how are the teams organized and so forth. And that work, of course, doesn't stop it doesn't stop there where the building is ready and the doors are open so it's it's ongoing and i think of course i mean i i work uh, closely with architecture as well and how we we developing an architecture program for the city for the future and, and things like this but this this of course is a is a, a flagship building but there's that connection to how this flagship facility connects to the other close to 40 local libraries in helsinki what does that network do how does it function how does it uh, sort of craft out that idea of a library itself and, and design has played a big role there. Okay, back in 2005 I was yeah. in Tokyo for the first time and amazing architecture and then I I just looked at this building and the only way I can describe it is the Prada building and, and yeah. uh, I'm looking at this building and I'm going okay this is a really weird reaction to this building and, and the only thing I can describe it as is erotic and then I rode my bike here yesterday for the first time and saw Odi here and I'm just going okay this is my new girlfriend or boyfriend or they friend I don't care I'm trying to figure out how to invite the building out for drinks I'm, I'm really working on that I'm just like what it's like one of these maybe five buildings in the world that I've seen since 2005 and discovered this emotion with the architecture which I love architecture I work with it but I just, <laughs> I'm still I'm you just like are, you are really onto something here and this um, in my previous job so we I, I was part of also doing the international launch of this building and then uh, doing an exhibition around libraries in, in Venice in 2018 uh, which I commissioned there then and, and um, this this particular building and the kind of journey of how, what the efforts that people have put into it and I actually remember the architectural competition was run in that year already mentioned the 2012 there was the, all the results were on display it was over 500 of them and uh, that sort of emotional attachment to this thing started I remember when they were in display people were queuing they really wanted to see that what is this going to be that ownership that was built at hey it's you know it's for us this thing is for us and it embodies some idea of values of what we be believe in mm -hmm. as as people people love this bit i mean mm -hmm. they they come here they're these different spots 
uh, I love it. I was really happy to come here today to meet you, specifically yeah. here. There is this, uh, I, I suppose it sort of comes from the idea of a love of a library. That you, there's no exchanges required. That mm. you, you come in here, you do do what you want. You learn, you you rest, you share, you elevate, you challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you go on and you take something from that. Or you nap. I saw oh, this old gentleman nap. just napping yesterday. I mean, exactly. whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And of course here, I think the extra charm also comes from that. This gesture uh, is here, bang in kind of very valuable uh, real estate spot, bang in the city center. Mm -hmm. And it's there and there's investment in people and investment in design at that, at that kind of spot, which in itself is symbolically extremely important. Mm -hmm. Of course, we hear, um, there's the parliament building right behind us. So there is also, of course, this aspect of that, you know, we, the, the people of Helsinki and the visitors of Helsinki who have very much found this building as well, are here and we are going to express ourselves and, and sort of make something of this place together in the future. And it is, it, it, it is emotionally quite gripping, it's charming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before the, yeah, just before the pandemic uh, hit, uh, I started filming season four of the Life Size City in Los Angeles, and I met their chief design mm -hmm. officer. And I'm going like, good who luck I with that. Not, who I have not met. No, yet. right? Yeah, yeah. So he was a super cool guy, yeah. but I'm going like, yeah. really? Like yeah. L.A. In your role, do you have influence on policy, or is it like so many of these roles in cities mm. with a fancy title? Mm. And hey, we did some thinking. Mm. Here's a paper, and the politicians are going, thank you very much. And then you know, I mean, do you feel like you have an influence on policy here, um, and they listen to you as the chief design officer? Yeah. Well, so I think, and this is any how how you sort of approach these things up. There are two ways. So we it's important to do stuff and go out there and, and do stuff with, with, with uh, you know, the city and the fabric of the city. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, of course, there's been in this sort of 10 year design journey, there's been lots of really good pilots. There's been work done both inside the city and with outside partners. And it's important to keep doing that, do stuff, uh, really do it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, of course, in order for all of that to have long term impact, it's very important that the the administrative beast the body takes those things on board and that's something that for me is a very clear thing that you have to work on both of those simultaneously all, all the time and, and the sort of uh, designing governance I suppose you might call it is of course uh, it, it's a long and it's a hard process in many ways but that's really where, where kind of the stuff happens so for instance at the moment I know in LA as well uh, one thing that they um, despite of course the cities being very different but something that touches upon both the city organization and of course the sort of outside interface is is our public spaces and how we're thinking about them as key spots and mm -hmm. and we have work to do in Helsinki of course as well there you might might of course think Audi where we are in a way is a, is of course a public space an indoor public space but how we develop key spots in the city and importantly of course um, not just in the city center but elsewhere as well as something that touches on um, Throughout, you're looking at you're looking, of course, at the urban planning department and all of that. But you're looking at youth services, uh, cultural events. You're looking at um, how the business sector is running, what support there is, and and of course, during the pandemic, there's been a lot of of stuff where the city has been learning as well. At hey, we need to do certain things quite quick, mm -hmm. and we need to pull different departments in the city together uh, around something that might not be clear for everyone what exactly the challenge is or where might we be going in this. And cities, of course, typically are very good at, they are delivering um, services that are legally required. There are very good sort of democratic processes in place. They are good, there's good sort of long-term planning. The harder bit is the stuff that needs to be done quick or tested or tried. 
for instance, in terms of public spaces, this is something that we are looking at at the moment and we have to be able to pull different units together and do something that sort of weaves together structures that stuff that sort of dro drops between the gaps. Mm -hmm. This kind of work, in order to really drill into the policy, of course, there's, there's um, as you know, we have a new mayor who has started literally two weeks ago in his job and our city council is uh, we, our elections, local elections were postponed due to the pandemic already so they have a very very short window to to now draft um, sort of the next four years city strategy how that might then translate into actual budgets and stuff that gets done next year and the year after and so forth mm -hmm. and here the kind of findings that have been coming out in the kind of work and conversations I've been having are things that really touch across the whole city. So we're looking at uses of urban spaces, uh, how, uh, of course, how people are currently using the city in the first place, how much do they move around, when they move around, how they move around, what local services they are using, how do we balance the need for, um, of course, like all, all Nordic cities, there's this pressure in, in relatively small countries and then the capital cities are growing and, and how do they do it in a way that is good for the climate and at the same time uh, produces a good quality of life that, that is really sort of the, the, the thing that we have here. Yeah, there. so yes, to answer your question <laughs> in short, yes, I do work very much with policy and that is... Um, and you feel like they, they, that you have that influence, that was kind of the question, like you feel like you have the influence. Um, uh, yeah, I believe. You yes, have election actually, cycles, so you got to. Yes, we have election cycles, and Helsinki takes kind of issues to do with design quite seriously. So Good. it has has been at a very high strategic level, mm -hmm. and and those findings from the first ten years have definitely had influence on policy. So that idea of that we need to um, continue, for instance, looking at the services the city provides, mm -hmm. doing it together with the users of the services, is a kind of base thing. But that's one of the key things that has happened there, and also of tackling more sort of uh, tricky issues. So the sort of service design, strategic design element has been quite strongly there and, and perhaps now also bringing in more issues to do with um, working with urban spaces and people co-creating mm -hmm. there is, is something that we will be doing in the future most. There is a position in, in many cities, I think yeah. 100, uh, chief resilience officer. Yeah. And, and I know many people in my industry, uh, my former industry, like, you know, uh, I'm the chief cycling officer now. And mm -hmm. they, but they, they never get meetings with the engineers when they want to talk about bike lanes. And some of the resilience officers have a lot of influence politically. Um, but then other ones are going, hey, can I get a meeting? I'm this guy who's just sitting here being paid to be a and nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody knows what I do. So it's kind of cool to hear yeah. that, that in your role as chief design officer, you're an integral part of the municipal structure. Right? Well, I think the important thing is, and of course, um, you know, roles like this, you, you are aware of that and it's a, is a balance that you really need to work on that balance because it's very important that the stuff that you're proposing and doing, that it actually resonates mm. with, you know, deep down in the system. So it resonates, let's say, something that remains then totally, you know, out of the system. So, for instance, an example, I'll give you an example which, uh, which has, we're working on now. We are working on doing a new urban playground, a playground for kids, one aspect of course, like the presence of children in urban spaces, city centres and the role of play and so forth in a, as a theme is very important mm -hmm. and something that I believe as a city we have a lot to give there. We have an excellent network of public playgrounds already, which of course in itself is a collaboration of you know, the urban design department, landscape architecture so forth, and then on the other hand the education department is providing the actual activity. Mm -hmm. Now we've been doing a lot of work in that area in terms of making them even more accessible and different kind of groups of people really understand that it's something that's free for everyone to use and they are very big sort of part of the fabric of, of well-being in, in this city. 
Now, there's been lots of talk also about, okay, how do we tweak designing them in the future even more? How do we work with certain themes? I um, have had a proposal, kind of a start of an idea on, on the table um, with this wonderful woman who's called Linda Leukas. She's kind of an ambassador of uh, media and digital culture and coding for kids and, and stuff like that and goes, goes around the world and does really great things in that area. And she has sort of been tossing about the idea that actually it would be good to do something like this in the urban space and open for everyone a free thing for really learning about how computers work without a single screen mm -hmm. through movement and play and, and uh, different three-dimensional activities and, and elements. So I've been working with her and then having conversations across the city with all the different de departments who need to be on board in order for this thing to actually become a reality and they have been the most fantastic meetings we're working now with the um, so the parks department the playground people the education department culture sector uh, and all of these weaving all of these together to find that common goal so that it's something that really resonates with what the kids and then the people who work with the kids need in the future in Helsinki and when these two things match so there's sort of an I seed of an idea somewhere that this might be a cool thing to do and it actually my job has been to find it's, it's kind of like a detective job as well <laughs> in many ways you find those those right communities and people and make sure that you weave them together at the right moment in time so that it can flourish and grow into something that will benefit this city in the future so we, we're working on such a project at okay. the moment for instance this all sounds amazing. I love to hear it. Uh, but is your job a, a thinking job, a, a meeting job, uh, an analyzing job, a theorizing? Or do you get to just hop on a bike with a shovel and go out and start working in some tactical urbanism or you know, in some community where you, you're actually physically well, on the this, street? Uh, you get the, to do stuff. Yeah, wait, the stuff, I'm, I'm missing the doing stuff in the street. That element is growing. Now, the first year has been very much I've had to sort of find out where things stand and who, who, who are we bringing together and how are we doing that in a way that a brings some uh, additional value and new to the city and resonates with the policy work. Mm -hmm. So uh, my job is very much to find those connections, speak to people uh, both outside uh, kind of communities outside the city, but very much of course this first year has been speaking inside the city as mm -hmm. well. But the, uh, the tactical urbanism bit is something that we are um, about to, to set up a new um, team, if you wish, that will be working more closely on those things. So yeah. that's, that's um, yes. Because I mean, you know, if I was you, I'd want to also yes. do what yeah. you do, but I'd also want to get out there yeah. and yes. sit with some like old people in a exactly. square, going, "You want better benches? What kind of benches do you want?" Well, you I need one with better back support. You know, well, you know, like just and saying, "Let's do that," and getting some kids to build them. Exactly. And, you know, like, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Oh. So that is that is also what will be coming. So Good. you can imagine that the week that I started the job and I had this like go and talk to different communities in the city. Um, you know, the first first months, and then let's start working on a plan. The pandemic started that same week and I'm yeah. sat at home sort of like, oh my God, that this is uh, I think Helsinki has a structure, how it works. I mean, it's very important, I think, in the, in the future specifically that, of course, like any city around the globe, that we have issues in city centres to look at in the future, that what things are, are, are kind of the things that need to be in the centre and people come and do and, and connect and, and how do the centres sort of thrive and how do they support the rest of the city. But at the same time, we have a city that's growing fast, that's a wonderful city outside as well. We have that, that kind of balance of a really sustainable urban structure balanced with, you know, from any pretty much... I was kind of thinking about the idea of the 15-minute city here. In that bag, you add that within 15 minutes, you can be in a nature conservation area. That kind of facility, which, yeah. which I live myself in East Helsinki, close to the sea, and, and uh, it's something that, you know, you have 
you have the metro and you have literally from your doorstep you can walk out into a a, a big forest. So th those two elements. First of all, I'm like, mm. oh, the 15 minute city, the yeah. 20 minute city, yeah. Sweden, there was yeah. last year, was like yeah, the yeah. one minute city. I know, another one, yeah. Uh, but I was like, okay, you know, mm. that's that was every city for 7,000 exactly. years. And, the, and I, now we have a need a catchphrase for it. But mm. then I looked at my, home, my own neighborhood in mm. a YouTube film mm. I made during the yeah. pandemic. And, uh, you know, like, I'm, you know, I live in a very densely populated neighborhood, 12,000 people mm. per square kilometer. Ba -ba -ba -bam. Oh, but, you know, I put in parks and stuff. But, yeah. I'm, now I'm just sitting here thinking, like, how far do I have to go to get to, like, a really, you know, mm. uh, forest or whatnot? Yes. It's actually not that far. I mean, you take a bike ride. It's, it literally, I think it's about a 20-minute bike ride, 25, mm. to get to a, a, a lake with woods, mm. and I just walk around. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. that was also, that's an important element to add to the whole 15-minute city. I think here. It I won't mean, be 15 here. minutes in most places, but at least, uh, is it, how far here, is it? Yeah. Here it is. Um, it might not be exactly 15 everywhere, but it is accessible and very easily accessible. Oh, like Oslo. You yeah. just sort of like, you yeah. just throw yeah. your keys backwards and then they're in the yeah. forest. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like it. And of course, the whole idea of, you know, what is a city and what brings us to a city and what are those things that we desperately need and want from a city and how they function in the future. Of course, um, in, in the Nordics, that balance, which might also sometimes seem too obvious for us, but it's it's not an obvious thing and it's something that really needs to be cherished, of course, in the future mm. as well. It's it's uh, every possible study shows, you know, the benefits for how, how both the city is doing and we are doing as people and, and of course, the planet. The pandemic. Mm. Now, early on, and I've been interviewed all the time, like, you know, what about the post-pandemic city? Like, this is, you know, that's all mm. we want to talk mm. about. So I'm going to ask somebody else and get some other <laughs> answers uh, yeah. that I can use later. Yeah. No, um, you know, yeah, bike lanes, Milan, Paris, Berlin, temporary bike yes. lanes, Vilnius. Yes. You know, early on, like, we're just going to make the world's largest outdoor cafe because we got to keep business mm. running so everybody mm. can, you know, freely put their mm. tables and chairs out and serve there. I've seen lots of, uh, you know, outdoor serving, temporary, yes. what looks temporary, like uh, structures. Paris went ballistic with it. Um, I mean, it's really cool. I think a lot of the bike lanes in cities are being removed now. Some are being made permanent. You know, the temporary ones that, you know, Paris is doing great, Milan. Other cities are going, yeah, that was, now we're done with that. You know, um, the cars are coming back. So, but I think the outdoor serving has been this, the one major urbanist legacy of the pandemic. Like mm -hmm. New York, Boston, weird places where like weird in that it's winter um, and they're really car centric. Uh, and I've seen a lot of them here, even in my neighborhood in Copenhagen. So generally what, impact did the pandemic, and I'm talking positive impact did yes. the pandemic have on Helsinki? Uh, you know, was, was there room for uh, improvement, windows of opportunity? Uh, the, the food thing has been one big one as a city. We've been working on that as well a lot. And that, that kind of goes, um, of course, there's that actual need that, you know, we need to be able to sit with enough space and we need to be able to be outside. So that there's that actual need. And then we go, OK, do we have the space? How do we actually facilitate this? And, and uh, we've done several well, actually, two things. The, the sort of more visible things have been these bigger outdoor dining areas that we've done uh, both this summer and, and the previous one, and where we've really looked at very central spots. So, you know, literally the Senate Square and something that, okay, we are taking this spot, which is, of course, uh, um, ha comes with all kinds of landmark issues and so forth, that it's this prestigious spot. And, and we will uh, do something really nice here that's safe and nice and w which will at the same time uh, help a lot of restaurants and bring people to the city centre in a safe way. And so that was the last time and we've done it on another square this year, which has been a slightly sort of underused spot, uh, the Casa Armitori mm -hmm. Square, and which have been uh, really, really taken on board well. And the thing, uh, th those are kind of the sort of 
visible gestures but then there's been a lot going on in terms of you know every little cafe restaurant how do they use the parklets how do they set up their terraces what do they do and there is the sort of work that um, will have a lot of legacy I believe because there's been a lot behind the scenes sort of reviewing processes how does stuff happen how do we speak with those communities the users of the restaurants the restaurants themselves and so forth so that I believe around the world has been something that will really um, stick with us and, and of course it has also brought out lots of um, bubbling things out uh, in the suburbs as well, little local services, things that move around, mm -hmm. um, food deliveries and so forth and, and that has been uh, wonderful to follow, to follow and of course certain needs might change but uh, there will be remaining legacies and what people want. They have sort of fallen in love with certain city spots as well, the people of Helsinki. Mm -hmm. Like literally Senate Square, I think for me one result was that, because it's been this sort of from postcards of Helsinki tourist buses stopping there and so forth and now actually it's like people of Helsinki, hey this is, you know, this is our prestigious square and we like to hang out here and and uh, we love this spot so kind of fall in love again with that that particular spot of the city but it is prestige if you just allow yeah. the citizens to, to not just that old school there's a statue there's a nice building yeah. you know yeah no demonstrations no public you know, but like letting people activate the space that is prestige but, right? but in a way that spot for instance you know you look back in the history of Helsinki that spot has been a spot where there's this been this celebration of important cultural moments really coming together actually there although you might have this image of it's sort of a slightly distancing mm. spot but it's it's been there there's been um you know prior to joining the eu all these kind of big really um moments that have been defining helsinki's cultural life as well that have happened in that particular spot and in a way that's that's sort of telling that again it can become such a spot uh in terms of of course there have been cities around the world that have had a more urgent need than we've had here to actually make space for people to move around. So mm. here we've, um, uh, first of all, the pandemic didn't hit us as, as badly as in certain other spaces, but also there's been more space to, to start with to move around. So it hasn't been of such urgency to make sure that, you know, there's room on the sidewalk to walk or there's room to ride your bike somewhere because there sort of has been enough room all, all along. So we haven't had so pressing issues with transport arrangements to do to do with those things mm. like in some places it's come really from a very urgent need and it's interesting to see now what happens with those with those arrangements so here uh, we've done certain things around certain pedestrian walks and making sure but all along there's been we've been able to move around relatively safely outside without having to tweak those systems too much right so, so, I mean, Copenhagen mm, also like the you know, yeah. pandemic ready, even yeah. though we didn't know that, you well, know, exactly. like regarding so, transport and public yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's something that perhaps less on where it becomes more, um, I think sort of the, certain things that have happened here have been more to do with, again, supporting and helping certain communities and, and the people and how to connect to them. So, for instance, we um, in the early days when there was very much uh, kind of the issues of, uh, of the elderly, that how are they you know, able to leave their apartments at all? Are they getting food from anywhere? Are they alone? So very quickly we set up a um, sort of a helpline where people from within inside the city were slightly reassigned the jobs they were having. And there was this li literally, you know, taking a phone and calling all of them. Mm. How are you doing? Do you need help in getting food to your home? Yeah. So it's been perhaps more in those kind of things or now, for instance, of course, a big 
question will be in, in cities around the world that um, young people have really taken a battering from this. So they, well, I mean, we are seeing this in mental health services and so forth. So this has been something that uh, will be of extreme importance going to the future and how, of course, the youth services have already now uh, had to think about how they do work on the streets, what kind of support is needed and where. But I think, again, this comes back to these places of like, like this place where we are of ownership of, of the city and how, for instance, young people are able to use the city in, in safe ways and, and have meaningful things to do in the future. So I believe, again, design and architecture have a big role to play there. Now, in the Nordics uh, and certainly in Copenhagen, you know, stuff works. So the citizen engagement I see in other cities that are kind of broken, you know, mm -hmm. like Toronto has, I've never seen citizen engagement anywhere else in the world like there is in Toronto because they have this huge amalgamation in the 90s. So they have one city hall and it's literally a three hour drive. There's no local democracy, you know what I mean? So people just do stuff by themselves, right? And uh, amazing. Um, and certainly in really broken cities, you know, um, struggling cities, uh, the citizens are forced to do their own thing. Uh, here in the Nordics, it's like, yeah, this stuff works. You know, we kind of put our faith in uh, the municipality because they've been doing some good stuff for a long time. What is citizen engagement like in Helsinki? Whoa, you want to talk to me? Oh my God, you want, you want my opinion about stuff? I mean, but is there a, a strong sense of citizen engagement in a city that functions already really rather well? Well, I'd say this is something that the city, again, as an, as an organization, is very interested in this and working, working tightly on this. I think we have uh, a lot to do still, and, and I think the area, specifically, again, looking at, for instance, urban environments, uh, design, architecture, all of this, we in, in the past years, people's motivation and will to get involved, of course not, not everybody wants to, but there is that, um, in a way, energy and passion to tap into. And on the other hand, of course, there's been lots of kind of more activist movements here as well, at, uh, stuff that we want to see happening and how can we use our public spaces and how do we tweak the system so that we can actually, because at the same time, of course, Nordic cultures have this sort of uh, which stems, of course, from ideas of really being, you know, every, equal opportunities for everybody, and hence that goes with certain regulations as well. And so, of course, it should as well. I'm not, not saying that, but we do have work in to make sure in the future that people feel even more that they are actually able to, for instance, influence what happens in their own neighborhood. Mm. And in many times, of course, we have very good legal systems, and and there are laws in place about all of that interaction, how it happens, that engagement. But we do have work to do in how that timeline actually spans out and pans out, and what are the moments where and how we do stuff with people, and does it happen at the, the sort of right moment in time to truly have give that feeling that you know we are all on board in this team together. And there, um, so I mean, not a new idea, of course, in in itself, but sort of methods of placemaking are something that, as a city, we need to work more on on that kind of stuff in the future and make mm -hmm. sure that we take on board people in different neighborhoods in, in, for instance, developing key public spaces. Now, of course, you have to do that, but I mean, mm. the citizens are responsive, though, yeah. generally, every time you, uh, you, you... Well, we have, you know, certain, for instance, more high-profile big projects uh, generate, you know, thousands of people are commenting and, and taking part. We've had a very, very active discussion before the local election now as well about issues to do with um, design and planning. Mm -hmm. They are one, one of the kind of topics. You look at, for instance, um, we have a relatively new participatory budgeting system in Helsinki of certain monies allocated to areas for people to propose projects that they want to oh, cool. want to yeah. do. 
a large majority of them, again, are things to do with the urban environment. Mm. There is really, you kind of look back at both projects that then there's a voting system and all kinds of stuff that happens, but uh, both projects that go forward, and I've been going through some of the, the ones that haven't gone through, there's people are really, uh, they want to do stuff with their own sports facilities, parks, you know, the benches, as you mentioned, all of this stuff, and they are, they are really the kind of, salt of everyday life mm -hmm. that makes people you know be, be in cities and have a have a city life and engage with other people yeah cool it's it's crucial yeah well hannah nice to meet you finally you too yeah yeah yes and, and we're going to have lunch now so we'll continue the conversation e excellent thank <laughs> cool. you very thank much pleasure thanks very much you've been listening to the life-sized city my podcast about urbanism and urban change as ever, this episode was produced thanks to red wine and coffee. The music was composed by Phil Creamer. Check out his website at www.hereonout.ca. I'm Michael Koval-Anderson. Thanks for listening.